0: We're going to uh, look this morning at a follow up sermon to last week uh, where we spoke about uh, some essential things. I'm going to pray that God would help us and then we're going to jump in. Heavenly Father, thank you for the goodness of your word. Thank you, Father, that we can read it freely here in this place. Thank you, Father, for this time set aside in our week where we turn our hearts and minds to you and ask you to speak to us particularly. Father, challenge and change us today, for we ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. Okay, well, uh, I guess I want to start with a question that would get us uh, thinking. Uh, what was the last good book or movie that you uh, read or watched? Has anyone seen a good movie recently? Yeah, what was the name? Yesterday. Yesterday. That's when you saw it, or that was the name? No, I know. <laughs> yes? And Marvel and you didn't know it was a woman. Okay, that's exciting. Fantastic. Uh, is anyone still reading books? Yeah. Has anyone read a good book recently? Yeah. Okay, what was it? Well, Jane Eyre. Ah, lovely. Fantastic. Okay. Now, when you, when you see a good movie, read a good book, what, what do you do? Sorry? Tell about it. You do tell people? Or do you just go, man, I've just seen the best movie. No one should watch this. Is that, is that what happens? Now, I tried this a while ago I was, I, when I was down, uh, down the coast, down, down, used to live down in Wollongong, and I, I, I foolishly um, opened with the illustration about um, surfing spots. I said, now, if you find a really good surfing spot, what do you do? And they said, tell no one. And I went, what do you mean? And they said, no, 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 if you find somewhere great to surf, you go out of your way to make sure no one finds it. And I was like, wow, that's really uh, antithetical to my point, but uh, there it is. Uh, okay. No, but, okay, generally, generally, what happens, we share good things freely, right? We share good things freely. That is, that is a natural thing. No one needs to tell you, now, if you've seen a good movie, you need to be sure to pass that on to somebody else. No one tells you that, do they? Or if you've read a good book, you know, when people have read a good book, remember when we used to have physical books? And they they put it in your hands. Anyone had this experience? No, no. You've got to read it. No, no. I don't want. You've got to read it. Has anyone had this experience? Girls in particular. I think you're good at doing this. But um, but it's extraordinary, right? You you don't actually have to indicate that you're keen to read or interested at all. But someone is forcing it onto you. It's so good. I'm going to make you. What you've got to. Do do you know this? Okay. Interesting. Last week. Uh, we spent some time considering three themes from the Bible. We thought about salvation, we thought about hell, and we thought about the offer of new life that is in Jesus. And I guess the question that we want to think about today is the question that arose at the end of that. We asked, how much of you does Jesus deserve? If he has saved us from hell to new life, how much of you does Jesus deserve? And the answer that we came up with was quite a lot. And I wonder, is do we have anything like good news when it comes to the message of Jesus? I'm not sure. Give me some time to think about it. Is that right, church? We're not sure whether we have good news in Jesus. Well, I'm going to suggest to you, at least go out on a limb. It'll help the rest of my sermon, and suggest that we have good news In Jesus, all right? And uh, I want to think a little bit today. Uh, Our vision as a church is that we would see new life in Jesus come to every home in Oran Park and the growing Southwest for their salvation, for the good of the community, and for the glory of God. That's why we're here as a church, to see new life in Jesus come to every home, because we think we've got in the good news about Jesus something that brings new life. So the question is, how would that actually happen? And I had some great conversations last week uh, after the sermon, and people said, it would be great if you gave us some tips, some help on how we could actually take this good news that we have out into our community. And so I want to think about that today, and uh, I've got two questions for us to, to think about as we start. Um, when I mention the word evangelism, what's the first word that comes into your head? So evangelism, what's the first word that comes into your head? Uh, Billy Billy Graham, okay, so that's two words, but well played. That's that's kind of Jesus' answer. What's the most important commandment? Well, it's this one and this one, see? They ask for one get two. Okay, Billy Graham, what else? John Chapman, okay, another two words, great. Work, yes. Evangelism? Missionary, yeah. Someone else? Sharing, okay. Now, if I asked you what emotion word comes into your head when I say the word evangelism, what would you say to me? Love, Scary. Yes? Somebody else? Prayer? Emotion. How does that make you feel, that word, evangelism? Nervous. Okay, yeah, great. Okay, very good. All right. We got there eventually. Um, when, When we say evangelism, what's the meaning of that word? What's the meaning of evangelism? Well, it's the good news. The good news. It's also called the gospel. The gospel is this message, a message for the world, good news. And evangelism is taking the evangel, that's the gospel, and announcing it to the world. world. Now, sometimes we, we say to people that we are a church who is evangelistic. But there's another word that sounds very much like it, evangelical, yes? Evangelical is a theology that's based on the evangel. So that's evangelical theology, And then we are evangelistic, which means that we are people who take the evangel, the good news, out into the world. Got those two things? So we are both an evangelistic church and an evangelical church. You're with me? Both of them are based in the good news of Jesus. Uh, So the problem that we have is when it comes to giving the message to our people around us, it's a bit like Brussels sprouts. Now, I have done Brussels sprouts with you before, have I not, church? Some of you are nodding. Uh, Hands up the people who love Brussels sprouts. Okay, hands down. Hands up the people who feel the opposite about Brussels sprouts. Okay, very good. Yes, I see some people with both hands up joyfully exclaiming. Now, here's the really interesting thing. If you like Brussels sprouts, right, you really like them, don't you? For those, sorry, fried, fried with bacon, anything. You could put cardboard fried with bacon and I'm convinced that it'd be fine. But okay, here's the thing, here's the thing. For those of you who don't like Brussels sprouts, right? you cannot understand how anyone can like it. Is that right? Or are you apathetic about Brussels sprouts? I reckon most people are pretty fired up about about Brussels sprouts. And so my my thing is, if if you are one of those people who goes, I hate them, you can't understand how anyone can like it. Now, I think it's a little bit like this with evangelism. Some people love it, right? And we go, who are those weird people, right? I don't know how they can like it. But for the people who like it, They're like, this is the best thing I get to tell people about Jesus. It's amazing. Now, I'm probably one of those nutty people, okay? But you've got me in a weird Brussels sprout loving kind of category when I say that, don't you? But but if I said, who likes ice cream on a sunny day? The answer would be most of us. No one's really going to put up their hand and say, I hate ice cream. Are they? Or just test it out? No? Okay, good. All right. Now, I guess I want to show you, I want you to think about, is giving the message of new life a weird thing for Brussels sprout lovers, or is it actually good news that you love and that you would gladly enjoy? Is it more like ice cream on a sunny day? (laughs) I want to tell you today that God has a plan to get the ball moving, and it involves you. So let's think practically about how we might do that. Uh, When I say reconciliation, what comes into your mind? I say reconciliation. Forgiveness, yeah. Building bridges, yeah, absolutely. In Australia, uh, do, do you remember this photo? This is uh, our Prime Minister, uh, I think on the first sorry day. Um, and so reconciliation is the restoration of broken relationship, of distance. And so uh, we see that particularly um, with uh, Aboriginal um, first people here in Australia. Um, It's important to note, as a a church, we've made a real effort with this, uh, with, uh, with Michael Duckett and the MacArthur Indigenous Church. Reconciliation, Michael told us when he was here, he's the one who painted the painting, Michael Duckett, who's the head of the MacArthur Indigenous Church, he said, reconciliation should be on our agenda. And I want you to see why. Have a look with me in our passage at verses 17 and following. It says, therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he's a new creation. The old is gone, the new has come. All this is from God who reconciled us to himself through Christ and gave us the ministry of reconciliation, that God was reconciling the world to himself in Christ, not counting men's sins against them. And he's committed to us the message of reconciliation. Now, if I asked you how many times does a variant of reconciliation turn up on the screen there, how many could you count? How many you got? Four? Got four. Okay. I want to tell you today that God is in the reconciliation business. And it wasn't cheap and it wasn't easy. It was through the cross that God reconciled, put right relationship between us and Him. It was broken and it's restored in Jesus. Reconciliation. God is in the reconciliation business. Now, when I was a kid and I was thinking about how God wanted to get the good news out to the world, I used to watch the weather on TV. Now, I don't does anyone watch the news anymore on TV? I, I don't do this anymore, but I used to when I was a kid. And it used to have the, 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 the synoptic chart and then the, the satellite pictures. And I used to think it was fantastic. I'm a very visual person. You might have noticed this, right? And I used to look, if there was a cyclone, right, it would be an O in my brain, okay? And if there was like a cloud trough coming along, I might go, oh, that's an L, you know, sitting across. And I used to think to myself, man, if I'm God, right? And I had a big view of God when I was a kid. If I'm God... I'm just going to write, everyone watches the news, right? I'm, I'm just going to write J-E-S-U-S in clouds across Australia. It's going to be fine. Everyone will see it. The church will stand up and they go, we know about Jesus. Come and find out about him. Right? So if you're God, why don't you just write J-E-S-U-S in clouds across Australia? Go for it, right? But, but he doesn't do that. He uses this other strategy. Now, we were in Canberra the other day, uh, driving around, my, my kids and I. And um, we went down the, 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 the row where all the um, embassies are. Have you done this with all the embassies? And if Australia has an issue with another country, what they do is that they'll get the ambassador for that place to come and talk to the Prime Minister, right? Then we're having a really... They're the representative of the nation. Now, now what happens if that ambassador is a, uh, a, a drunk and, uh, and, and a liar and a cheat? What happens if the ambassador is a drunk, a liar, and a cheat. What happens to the reputation of the country? It goes down. Like They're only one person, right? But they're representing a whole country. Are you with me? And so how they individually behave impacts how we think about the whole nation. Are you with me? All right, I I I want you to think, God doesn't have the cloud plan. He has a different plan. And I want you to see what happens in these next couple of verses. Have a look at verses 20 20 to 21. We are therefore Christ's ambassadors, As though God were making his appeal through us. We implore you on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. God made him who had no sin to be sin for us, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. So, what's God's plan? How is God getting the message out into the world? Through us, thank you, good, some of you are paying attention, that's really good. Uh, through us, and you have been given the title, put it on your business card everybody, Ambassador for the Living God. Now as we hear that, right, as we hear that, how does that make you feel? There's two ways this can go. Pressure, okay. Some of you are going, oh, I always knew I was pretty important and now I have, uh, I have the business card to show, right? It is an incredible title, isn't it? We're ambassadors of the living God. But somehow our response to that can be, my goodness, I'm now crushed by the weight of thinking I'm the representative of God on earth. How should I behave? What will be the implications of the way I live my life? They're big, aren't they? They reflect on the one that we are ambassadors for. And so our next response is to go, well, God, you made a mistake. I can think of two or three people sitting in the congregation here who we would vote as being your ambassadors, but don't include me in it. Yes? Well, here's the thing. God didn't make a mistake when he made the plan that said you were to be his ambassadors. It wasn't a mistake. Now, when can you be his ambassadors? When can you be his ambassadors? Well, look, I only work business hours. And uh, look, school terms, uh, I'm on, but holidays, I'm off. Is that right? Have a listen Have a listen to how ready God is to have you be his ambassador and what's at stake if you will speak in his name. Have a look at the verses that follow in 6, 1 to 2. As God's fellow workers, we urge you not to receive God's grace in vain. For he says, in the time of my favour, I heard you. In the day of salvation, I helped you. I tell you, now is the time of God's favour. Now is the day of salvation. When is God ready to save people? He's open 24 hours a day, seven days a week. Are his ambassadors ready to speak? Well, God, I'll give you a couple of hours on a Sunday, and if you can get a word in then, that'd be fantastic. Is that right? Well, we want to see today some practical steps that we can take to kick off evangelism, to start speaking as ambassadors for the living God. And I want to do that by giving you seven letters. Kick off, they'll spell. Some of them are so that I can say exactly the word that's up there, and some of them so I can spell kick off. Is that all right? Right, good, okay, all right. This one is actually one that I like. Um, so in the Second World War, um, the uh, the Japanese uh, were trying to stop the Pacific fleet coming over and they try and bomb the ships from planes. It's very hard. And so eventually they decided the way to get it all the way, to make sure that you get, deliver your payload, is to follow it all the way through. And this terrible approach of being kamikazes uh, came about, where they'd fly the payload all the way to the very end. And uh, it was indeed a full-on and... Uh, scary kind of thing that they did what, what i want us to think is fear is often the reason why we won't speak It's often the reason that we won't speak i'm afraid what would happen if i did this and so i, I took an approach uh when i got to um i got to my my first uh work placement uh there's this beautiful verse here in, in uh, 1 peter three fourteen it says do not fear what they fear and do not be intimidated And what I said to God was, God, I'm prepared to be a kamikaze for you. I'll tell you what I'll do, God. I will will be a kamikaze if you'll clean up the mess. I will follow through. I will take the payload right into the heart of whatever conversation I'm in if you will clean up the mess. And so what I decided to do was I would give an honest answer to any question that I was asked. Now, that doesn't sound revolutionary, does it? doesn't sound revolutionary but i thought in a workplace where i don't know anyone yet when they ask me about things i'm not going to lie i'm not going to mislead i'm I'm not going to fudge i'm going to give an honest answer to an honest question and i was trying to work out how do i get to tell all these people that i'm a christian and so i came up with this thing many of you have heard me say this before but i reckon in every workplace there are two conversations that happen every week there's a conversation at the start of the week and there's a conversation at the end of the week. Is anyone aware of what these two conversations are? Can anyone tell me? What would you do on the weekend and? Okay, all right. What are you going to do on the weekend? Now, we don't know what to talk about on, on Wednesday. It's very hard to work out what to talk about Wednesday. Are we looking forward or backwards? But generally what happens is we catch up to everyone and say, how was your weekend? Right? What did you do on the weekend? And then coming up to the weekend, we what are you doing on the weekend? What are you doing on the weekend? Right? That's the conversations that happen in every workplace I've been a part of. Okay? So here's the thing. When someone says to me, what did you do on the weekend, I decided not to edit for them. Not to edit for them. So what I do? Well, on Saturday, I played basketball, and then I hung out with my family, and then we went out on Saturday night, and then on Sunday morning, I went to church early, and I ran kids' ministry, and then um, I had a leaders' meeting at lunchtime, and then uh, then I went home and had sleep, and then I came back in the uh, afternoon, and I went to church again. This is back when I used to work in a proper job, you know, not just one day a week like I do now, but... um, And and so so I used to tell people that, right? Because what did they do? Well, they they just asked me what I did on the weekend. And what I'd encourage you to do is not to edit for them. Saturday is full, Sunday afternoon is full, and there's a mysterious gap on what happened on Sunday morning. Do, Do you know this? So my thing is, what if I just took the kamikaze approach? What if I just was honest about what I did? See, it's not Bible bashing anyone to tell them what you did. They said, what did you do on the weekend? And I'm just telling them what they did. What happens next is up to them, but I will tell them what I did. Are you with me? Don't edit for others. And so what I discovered was, if I wanted to tell someone that I was a Christian, all I needed to do was to ask this question. Uh, It'll come up on the screen in a second. What did you get up to on the weekend? So I'm saying, this is the strategy to tell other people that I'm a Christian. So I would say to them, what did you get up to on the weekend? And you're going, how is that me telling people that I'm a Christian? Because unless they're an emotional block of cement, what do they have to do if I ask them how their weekend was? What did you do on the weekend? And then I get to tell them, and then I get to tell them, do you see how this works? So anybody I wanted to tell I was a Christian, I would just say, how was your weekend? Are you with me? If you take the kamikaze approach and follow it all the way through. So that's K for kickoff. Um, invitational. There's a beautiful verse here. It says in John 1.41, the first thing that Andrew did was to find his brother Simon and tell him, we have found the Messiah. Now, if you have found the good news, if you've found a great movie, if you've found a brilliant book, if your um, daughter uh, has become engaged, you know, you know people like, it's, it's extraordinary, isn't it? Or, or someone's got a, um, a new kid, Right? I've got a new grandchild, and I'm going to tell you their name and their age and their birth weight. And and you're like, I didn't need to know that. But you can't stop them, right? Once they've got that good news, they have to tell you. They just can't wait. And so for um, Andrew, he'd found the Messiah. And so the first thing he did was find his brother Simon and tell him, we've found the Messiah. Now, I think for many of us, we think, my goodness, my opening line when I meet somebody isn't going to be, can I tell you I found the Messiah? Because that's not going to work, is it? And so what we need to do is we need to find our way into that conversation by having a number of bridge-building conversations. Okay, It's a bit like you don't ask somebody out the first time you meet them, right? Unless you're weirdos, in which case come and tell me the story afterwards, I'm sure it'll be awesome, right? But we don't generally do that. We get to know people and we might say, hey, do you want to have a coffee? Yeah, we can have a coffee. Do you want to catch up for a beer? That's fine. Do you want to uh, grab some lunch? You move from the place where you start the relationship into a second place, right? Second place. So the invitation is, come, let's deepen the relationship a little bit further. If you've got that really sorted out, you might say, do you want to come over to my place? Because when you come into somebody's house, you're really getting to know them. If you've kept the kamikaze principle up and they've been through coffee and into your house, then when you say, hey, do you want to come to church on the weekend? That's not a freak-out moment because of that investment that you've put in before, do you see? So we want to be invitational. We want to be invitational. We want to invite people into our lives. We want to ask them to come. And so we want to say, do you want to grab some lunch? So have you worked out how difficult this is so far? We asked someone how their weekend was, and now we're asking them, do you want to have some lunch? How are we doing so far? Freaking out? Good? Okay, this is good. Um, We need to be consistent. Um, What's the big thing that people say about Christians? I can't stand Christians. They're all a bunch of. You fill it in. Hypocrites, that's right. That's when we don't live the way that we should live, yeah? And people say to us, that's not very Christian of you. Has anyone had that happen? I reckon that's kind of perversely awesome because it means that they expect that Christians have behaved really well. Do you see this? It's bizarre. Anyway, it says here uh, in uh, 1 Peter, it says, do this with gentleness and respect keeping a clear conscience so that those who speak maliciously against your good behaviour in Christ may be ashamed of your slander. We need to be people who live beautiful lives to match up with our beautiful message. You need to live your message or you really aren't a worthy ambassador. And so, practically speaking, I want to say, what if in your workplace you decided to be a dead end for gossip? I used to work in David Jones in menswear. And uh, it was full of a bunch of old women, there's no disrespect to them, they were beautiful ladies, but that's really the case, right? And, uh, and so what they would do, they would stand on the floor all day, every day, for seven days a week, and, and they literally had no life, and so they just gossiped about everyone all the time. And so they said, do you want to know about Robert? And I'd just say, no. Do you want to know about... No. Did you know that... No. But could I tell you... No. And so after a while, what they decided to do was that I was really boring and uninteresting. And they didn't tell me anything, which was a great freedom for me, but also, but also enabled me to live in such a way that I wasn't tainting my witness in that place. I ended up having great conversations about things that mattered because I wasn't getting involved in the things that didn't. So we need to live a consistent life. The Scout motto, does anyone know what the Scout motto is? Be prepared. Have a listen to this one. This is K for knowledgeable. Always be prepared to give an answer to everyone who asks you to give a reason for the hope that you have. Imagine that you're having this wonderful conversation where you don't edit out Sunday morning and you tell them that you went to church and they say to you, really, why do you go to church? And you go, I don't, something Je- Something. Jesus? Um, I just, I don't know what, that's a bit awkward, right? And so what if we were knowledgeable? What if we were prepared? What if we knew our hope? So can I ask you today, I want you to think about what your answer is to this question. Why do you go to church? Why do you go to church? It could be, how can you believe in God? At any rate, if you're responding to that question for the first time with your friend, and you have nothing to say and you stumble about, it's not really a good look, is it? You mean you've been doing this for the last year, five years, 10 years, 20, 30 years, and you don't have a reasonable answer? Was it just that you had a hole in your diary and you decided to fill it? Why do you go to church? What is a life-giving answer to that question? Have one prepared. If we were to take all the words that you spoke, all the words that you spoke in the last week and put them up on a screen, all the words that you spoke and put them up on a screen, what percentage of them would be related to your Lord and Saviour? Now, some of your answers will be, do you know how many times my kids' names would end up on that list? Right? Some of you would be, do you know I work in a technical environment? So you would have all sorts of equations. You could do all of that, right? So let's take out all the things that you're obligated to say by your life. And I just look at your free words. Are you with me? The free words. The words that you get to pick. Does Jesus ever get a look in there? Does he ever get a look in there? You know those um, ECG monitors? Do you know what they are? You put the things on and we can look at the screen And it's got the little line going. I'm sure it's much more technical in these days. but, But the idea is that there's an invisible thing inside your heart, but it's made visible on the screen. Have a listen to this. The good man brings out of the good stored up in his heart, and the evil man brings evil out of the evil stored up in his heart, for out of the overflow of the heart his mouth speaks. What if I told you that your words were your ECG? What are they revealing about your heart? What are they revealing about your heart? Jesus says in Matthew 6, 21, for where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. So I would want to encourage you today that if you want to be a good ambassador for Jesus, one of the things that we need to be doing is that we need to be loving Jesus. He needs to be naturally on our lips, that we might speak freely and truthfully and without contortion about him because we genuinely love him. And we're naturally speaking of him. Does this make sense? So we need to fall in love with Jesus again. That's being open. Friendly. Uh, I I say this stuff all the time, so apologies if you've heard me before. But uh, in most workplaces, there's those two conversations. The other thing in most workplaces is that there's a sink that multiplies dirty cups. Have you seen this? Right? Nobody drinks the cups. Nobody's seen the cups other than they just they spontaneously arrive out of the plug hole and they multiply around the edge of the sink. Yes? Okay. So here's the question. Nobody did them. No one put them there. And despite the fact that there's a laminated sign that says, put them in the dishwasher, yeah, uh, nobody does that. What, what if you were the person who said, I will do that. I will do that. It says in Galatians 6.10, Therefore, as we have opportunity, let us do good to all people, especially to those who belong to the family of believers. What if we were renowned in our workplace for being the people, or in our, in our social group, um, in our club, if we were the people who did the hard things? What if we did good? What if we did good? What if we... So, <laughs> nobody does that, but I could. What is the nobody does that, but I could in your place of gathering? Can you think of something? What if we did that in Jesus' name? The last one is focused prayer. Uh, Police tape says what? Why is it up? What's it trying to do? Prevent you from entering. Sometimes we get to a door of someone's life and we knock on it and we say, hey, I'm going to talk to you about Jesus and it gets slammed in our face. Has anyone had this experience? And what happens if you have that experience is the police tape goes up over that door, right? I'm not going to talk to that person ever again, right? Anyone had this experience? No, you're all looking at me stunned. Well, I have. Okay, here's the thing. I want you to have a listen to Paul's prayer in, uh, in Colossians. Pray for us too, Paul says in Colossians 4.3, that God may open a door for our message so that we may proclaim the mystery of Christ for which I am in chains. What we need to do is that we need to have focused prayer. We need to pray for open doors into the hearts and minds and lives of the people that we care about. Now, here at New Life, we have a little card to help us do that. If you don't have one already, there's one on the back table. Uh, We pray for a family member, a friend, a next-door neighbour, and someone that we're yet to meet. And we pray that God might open the door of their heart that we might be able to speak the good news about Jesus. Can you pray consistently for God to go before you to open those doors? Well, I want you to hear what uh, what Paul says in the letter to the, Coloss- uh, to the Corinthians here. He says, He, God, has committed to us the message of reconciliation. We are therefore Christ's ambassadors, as though God were making his appeal through us. We tend to share good news freely. And my encouragement and challenge for you this morning is to think, do we have good news in Jesus? And if we do, who would we tell? Let me pray. Heavenly Father, you are a good and mighty God. Through your Son, you have saved us from what separated us from you. You've reconciled us. Father, we feel utterly unworthy, but we hear your call today for us to be ambassadors. Help us to take practical and prayerful steps this week that we might speak of the goodness of Jesus for the salvation of those around us. For we ask it in Jesus' name. Amen.